Hello, this is Inside Alberta, our podcast. I'm Don Braid, political columnist for the Herald Post Media, with Chris Varco, our business uh, slash political columnist, Mr. Everything when it comes to the economy. Uh, lots of interesting stuff to talk about this weekend. Probably the biggest idea of the week, uh, whether it actually means anything or not, is the idea of an Alberta pension plan, of Alberta withdrawing from the Canada pension plan, setting up its own plan. Uh, this uh, The NDP is flagging this like crazy, and Kenny talked about it at length in a podcast on the 29th. Uh, there's been other all kinds of other uh, floats. This is this is a big balloon, right? Right. And the, so the it's UCP on a political level is looking for something that can convince people that they can do something that shows that we stand on our own two feet, that we can do things for ourselves, that do things to make Alberta stronger. And really, there's nothing, if you agree with that idea, that fits the bill better than the idea of an Alberta pension plan. Because you can do it. You can say to Ottawa, we're withdrawing. Please give us our share. That would be an interesting debate how much they get. Interestingly, Kenny says $40 billion that they would owe us. But uh, that's 10% of the entire CPP pot. You can imagine the Fed saying, no, no, it's per capita. It's a lot less than that, whatever. So would it, would it actually work? Well, the economists seem to think that Alberta is actually well-positioned to do this because, as in most things, we put in a lot more than we take out, younger population, high incomes, yep. and, all, and all the rest of it. And, and will it go anywhere? Well, uh, they, they definitely want to make it part of the discussion they're going to have when they send out their... Uh, gripe panel, the one that's supposed to hear all the complaints <laughs> and all the ideas about fitting better into federation. But the, be- the best thing about this is if it is going to be done as something to show Alberta has has its own tools, it's something genuine, it's legitimate, it's not it's not separation, it's not something, it's actually quite practical, right. although it would be wrenching for the country because the key number is <laughs> if they do this, apparently premiums for everybody else in Canada would have to go up 10%. Well, this, stri- <laughs> this strikes me as, as, a, as a practical and a theoretical issue. The practical side is, could you do it? Well, we've seen that Alberta has a very successful uh, fund, AIMCO, which manages assets quite exactly. well, can maximize the return. That's the key here, maximizing the return for all Albertans involved in, you know, in those kind of funds. So could you do it? Yeah, you probably could. Uh, it certainly is infinitely more practical than holding a referendum on equalization, which we can't do anything other than sort of you know, shake our fist at at the clouds in the sky. But this is really more theoretical in the sense of you're trying to gain leverage. You're trying to gain leverage so that some of the other issues that are important, like maybe having some changes made to Bill C-69 or having the government commit to make sure that Trans Mountain gets built, some of those other things that you really need, uh, you need to gain leverage. And this strikes me as something that they think they can gain leverage on. And I suspect you're going to hear a lot more about this in the next 6 to 12 months. Sure. There, there's, in fact, I've even had those very things mentioned to me as possible quid pro quos for not doing it. But but the idea of AIMCO, uh, if, if they did bulk up AIMCO with, say, $40 billion more from the feds, they've got $100 billion, $115 billion in AIMCO right now. They're rolling in other pension plans. We've heard about that the last yep. couple of weeks. So AIMCO would be up to $150 billion. And uh, the Quebec pension plan, Caisse de Depot, has got $326 billion. So it's it's almost half that uh, with a much smaller population. And the federal plan itself is worth $400 
400 billion. So it'd be one of the biggest capital pools, certainly the biggest capital pool by any any jurisdiction this size in, in North America, I would imagine. So there are all kinds of reasons like that for doing it. it. It would take years to happen, of course, but more important for everybody else out there, because this is rather theoretical, is the economy itself, which as you've been pointing out, Chris, is, is just kind of in a slide, it's in a slip, and you've got more news on that front. Yeah, so the Conference Board of Canada just released its report this week looking at the 13 major metropolitan areas, the cities in Canada, looking at the state of their economies and where they're going to go in the next couple of years. And uh, spoiler alert, it's not good for Edmonton and Calgary. So it concludes that this year we have been in a mild recession in both cities. You're going to see economic contraction of a, almost half a percentage point, about 0.4% in 2019. That's the bad news and of course the reasons for that are we've got a lack of investment going on in the province, we've got construction industries still mired in a slump and you've got the oil curtailment which impacts the economies of both cities and I would say a number of economies, local economies throughout the province. The good news is that the conference board expects both economies to show some reasonably strong growth. Modest growth is what they would say, around 2 to 2.2%. And uh, the employment situation, uh, you know, they see it. Uh, employment growth continuing next year, that's positive as well. But I would say there's a caveat here. And the caveat is we've got to get rid of curtailment and we've got to get some investment back into the energy sector because that is such a large driver of jobs, drilling, you know, all the kind of activity that much of the provincial economy is based upon. And the signs that we're seeing from the big oil companies who are just putting together their capital drilling plans right now is not very positive. We've seen Vermilion Energy cut its capital budget in the past week by 13% for next year. Seven Generations is, <coughs> looks like they're going to cut their budget. The biggest company of them all, the biggest producer, Canadian Natural Resources, says they're probably looking at a flat budget, capital budget for next year. So these are not very encouraging signs. Now, they can turn around and flip the switch, you know, early next year if they see some positivity, if higher oil prices are there. But I would say that heading into 2020, we're not seeing a lot of uh, light here uh, to, to feel really optimistic that we're going to see the big capital spends. You know, that, that leads us directly to the budget. Because you've got a budget where one institution and, and uh, program after another is being cut, uh, substantial cuts being made into a, into a weak economy. Yep. Now, if we go back to 1993, which Kenny likes to refer to, 1994 actually, with Ralph Klein and his cuts, the GDP growth in those years of his cuts from uh, 1994 to about 2004 was like 3% a year. Nominal GDP growth was even even higher, I think. Um, and uh, lots of folks who got laid off, and many people did, or lost jobs because public stuff was privatized, could find jobs in the private sector. We're, we're not in that kind of situation now, and the Alberta Federation of Labor put out a big paper saying they're going to rock us into a recession with these cuts. There may be something to that, although the, the economists, and one of whom we all respect very much, uh, Trevor Tomich, uh, he said to me that, that really if you look at the gross amount of their cut it's it's a very very small uh, proportion of Alberta GDP it's probably right. not going to put us into a recession but it is kind of a downer to see all these agencies like schools and 300 jobs at the CBT and all the rest of it it just adds to the the, the, the mood uh, uh, the sentiment the optimism or lack of it it's it's not too positive you know and that plays upon the issue of consumer confidence 
right? We saw consumer confidence return in 2017 when the economy got better and people had sort of had pent up demand to buy things like trucks and homes. And that kind of just disappeared over the last year. You know, the retail sales, some of those other indicators are, are not particularly positive this year. The conference board is expecting some of those things to grow next year, but it's really based upon confidence. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go and buy a new vehicle if you're not sure that you're going to have a job in three months. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the concern. You know, I was chatting with the head of Pengrowth, the CEO of Pengrowth, Pete Samets, last week. His company just announced that they agreed to a sale price at a very low discounted price to what where their shares were. And he said that there's a palpable there's a lot of fear in the community and it's accelerating and the last thing i think the governments want to do is make that fear worse and make the economic conditions worse so it is a fine line that they have to walk here yeah it really is and the you know the at, at a certain point it becomes harder to convince people even your hardcore supporters that the goal 2023 no no deficit at all is really worth this much pain at this time. That's the balance they have to strike. And here's another one. Into the middle of all this, all of a sudden we have this story of Kenny spending 16 grand to fly himself and, and several premiers from uh, uh, Calgary to Saskatoon after the stampede. And you know, there is nothing in the world. <laughs> Nothing in Alberta politics has been more trouble for premiers than airplanes. Remember Alison Redford, ghost riders in the sky, Absolutely. passengers who didn't exist, and then along comes Jim Prentice, and one of the very first things he did to win support was to get rid of all the government airplanes, which he's done. Now here's Kenny with his tough budget, all of a sudden flying all these people at Alberta's expense, other premiers, uh, not very far, 16 grand is pretty expensive for, for all conservative for, premiers yeah, we might all, add they were conservatives there's yep. no doubt about that and and he's saying well it was logistically necessary he wanted to have these premiers here for the stampede to uh, to host them, and then they flew off to the Premier's Conference in Saskatoon. Uh, uh, it just doesn't fly, as you could say, uh, optically, when you're also cutting people. It's not a lot of money. Let, no, I mean, let's let's no. acknowledge that. But as you and I and everybody knows, symbols are important. And this just strikes you as, I think Rachel Notley called it tone deaf, and I think a lot of people are going to look at that and say, that looks tone deaf. Yeah, well, it's, and of course it was all done. It was done in the summertime before the before the budget came out and everything. But but and then there's something else going on at the legislature, Chris, that is, is symbolically uh, very important. Uh, uh, it's going to be very significant and controversial. Is that a, a private member, private UCP member, introduced Bill 207, which is a bill uh, to, as I take it, because the the bill is is about to be tabled as we speak. And I haven't even seen the text, but it's about conscience rights for uh, physicians advising on uh, physicians and other medical people advising on abortion. And do they have to refer somebody if if a if a physician is really anti-abortion? Do they have to refer the patient to someone another another provider? This is a controversial issue. It doesn't go right to the core of whether or not abortion services are threatened in Alberta, but it sort of picks at the edges and it points to something. Uh, that that Kenny might worry about a little bit, considering what's just happened to Andrew Scheer and how much his social conservatism probably mm-hmm. probably hurt him. Which is that a big part of his caucus is really quite anti-abortion. Remember how the Wilberforce group and other uh, anti-abortion groups worked very hard, both to get Kenny nominated, get uh, Kenny elected as UCP leader, and then to nominate people. And they they wouldn't say exactly how many people they felt they had who were real 
confirm anti-abortion people uh, in the new UCP caucus, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's upwards of 40%, Chris. So Kenny has always said, well, we're not going to change the law. Stephen Harper taught me that. We're not going to change. Abortion rights are there. We're not going to do anything about that. But there will be a fuss over this. It will raise concern among a lot of, uh, a lot of voters, that's for sure. Well, there's lots of interesting stuff happening, and there'll be plenty more next week, I'm sure, Chris. See you then.